miss seeing you. I really am. Uh, you know, the Bible talks about forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, which is the habit of some, um, but spur one another on to love and good deeds. And I am so encouraged and inspired by your presence. And I know you are too. That's why you're here. It's just the edification we all need. We need one another. Could we say amen to that? Why don't you tell your neighbor, I need you, okay? Don't like you, but I need you. So, <clears throat> sorry, I'm just being a little sarcastic this morning. Have the gift of, gift of sarcasm. So anyway, um, hey, if you brought a Bible, Matthew chapter five this morning. Um, you know, Thanksgiving is only two weeks away. A little less, actually, two weeks away. I don't know how we got here. Super thankful for the, for the rain, by the way, the last couple of days. Aren't you thankful for that? We needed it. It's uh, really, really bad. We planted uh, some new plants. Did you see the new uh, landscaping going on by the new gate and sign up there? Looks super nice. And, uh, you know, we were going to have to carry all this water up there to water them in. But God decided kindly to do it for us. So thank you, God. Uh, he's watering in our new plants. Uh, for us up there six weeks away Christmas six weeks away I don't know how we got this far into the in, into the year um, and I don't know what you're going to do uh, some governors uh, in some states are asking us not even to gather during uh, the Thanksgiving holiday I, I realize you're, you're going to make your own decision on that um, I don't know whether you'll be traveling or not I, I do know that the COVID virus is real uh, we've got a family right now uh, visiting parents back in the Mideast. And thankfully, w one of the parents is, is now out of the hospital. They, they're still on life support. So uh, it, it is real. It's something that we have to be careful. Here in Klamath County, uh, we're, we're a little cowboy-ish. We're a little stubborn. Uh, we don't like the masks and all that kind of stuff. I understand that we don't have the density or the threat as high here. But uh, I, I still think it's important for you to respect and, and, and be careful and, and, and be concerned. But I want to start a series this morning that I'm trusting the Holy Spirit is going to use to lead us through the holiday together, whether we're in person or whether we're online. I just think the Holy Spirit is speaking to his church in the day we live. I believe this moment in history is significant for his church. God allowed things in Israel's history uh, to, to happen that turned the hearts of his people back to God. And I don't, I don't think uh, what's going on is an accident. Uh, I don't think it's all demonic. I think that God works all things together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. So I think the Holy Spirit has put something in my heart. The theme this next six weeks as we work through the holidays is going to be glory to God in the highest. <laughs> of course, that was the announcement the angels made to the shepherds when Jesus was born. Glory to God in the highest. That's going to be our theme. This morning, I'm just going to talk about be the light. And we're in Matthew chapter 5, uh, verse 14 through 16. Let me begin reading. I'll invite you to follow along on the screen or there online on your screen. If you've got a Bible, you can follow along with me. Uh, here's what Jesus said. He said, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Uh, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand. Uh, and it gives light to everyone in the house. 
In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. You are the light of the world. Be the light. Be the light. Now, I'm not an expert uh, in Greek language, so trust me, all of these things I'm going to say uh, came from someone else. I've got some books and some uh, things that helped me do some uh, Bible study. So I did a little extra homework uh, this last week. But do, do you know when Jesus said, you are the light of the world, uh, the Greek word for you there is significant. It's the Greek word humaeus, and it's in the emphatic tense. In other words, Jesus is saying, you alone are the only light in this world. It's emphatic. You alone are the only light in this world. Now, think about Jesus. I mean, this is early in his ministry. This is uh, the Sermon on the Mount, probably took place along the Sea of Galilee. Um, you know, there's probably 700 people sitting out in front of him. He's looking at their faces. They're a, a people that are as confused as we are today. There's political upheaval. Of course, I think we all know that Caesar Augustus had ordered a, a census uh, on the time when Jesus uh, was born. Uh, most people thought he wanted to increase taxes, and so, you know, the Jewish people are kind of like a lot of Christians in America today. They're just upheaval about what, what's going on, who's running the show. And uh, there was moral upheaval. And we don't talk about this a lot, but, uh, you know, the Greek culture, hedonism, uh, the whole idea of, uh, you know, pornography and the things that are part of our culture today, hedonism was a big part of the Greek culture, and it was filtrating in and around the Sea of Galilee uh, very aggressively. Young Jewish boys and young Jewish women were being pulled out of their, their roots, their, their, their foundation uh, into that culture. And, uh, and, and so there was, there was spiritual darkness as well because of the legalism of the Jewish uh, leaders uh, from Jerusalem that filtered into this area, of course, it had totally missed the mark. It choked out the spiritual life and any hunger people had for God because they just, they just couldn't do enough. They couldn't ever measure up. So you've got hundreds of people now that have heard about love and life and about God from a totally different perspective. And they are hungry. And they are literally forsaking friends and family sometimes literally feeling ostracized from the culture around them to seek Jesus, to hear what he has to say, to come together, you know, maybe on a sunny day on a hillside around the Sea of Galilee, and he says to them, you are the light of the world. You're the only hope this world has. Now, the word are, you are, interesting, it's in the present tense, He's, it's right now, you, right now, you are the only hope this world has. You are the light of the world. Be the light. That's what Jesus is saying here. He's, he's saying something that for, for you and I, I hope is very humbling. Just the value and the significance that he, he places on our life. The Greek word for light, by the way, is the, the Greek word phos. It's where we get the word photo or photograph. So right now, you alone are the only photograph of Jesus 
in this dark world, you alone, the only photograph, photo of Jesus in this world. How many remember Polaroid cameras? Anyone else? Polaroids? Okay, some of you are wondering, what's he talking about, okay? Polaroid camera, you remember, you know, it was so big, you had to bring it out of a suitcase, you know, and you brought it up, and it pushed the button, and a little piece of paper dropped out. You remember that? Some of you are going, what is he talking about? You know, the only camera you've ever seen, of course, is a, a cell phone, you know, and back in the day, this was new technology. <laughs> you could see your picture instantly. I mean, it was awesome, you know, you'd push the button, and this little piece of paper fell uh, some of the people I saw use them, they'd take the paper and they'd shake it a little bit so it'd dry out quicker. Remember that? And when you first looked at it, there was nothing. I mean, you couldn't see anything. And then slowly, kind of fuzzy, slowly, and then it got a little darker. And then finally, you could see the picture. <laughs> Man, weren't we impressed? New technology. <laughs> oh, you know, I never liked them very well, just to be honest with you probably didn't like them because our family couldn't afford them. That could have been why, but maybe I was jealous and wished we had one. But it, it just seemed like the picture was a little fuzzier than, than other pictures. And I, you know, if, if the church, if you and I are the only photograph the world has of Jesus Christ, how many think sometime the photograph is a little fuzzy? It's not, it's not really, not, not always really, maybe it's just underdeveloped <laughs> or, or maybe I hadn't started developing yet. I don't know, but I just, you know, if we're, if you alone, the church alone, you and I alone, if we're the only, only photograph the, the world has, the picture of Jesus, I, you know, I wonder sometimes. Now it's interesting, uh, Jesus said in, in John chapter eight, verse 12, he said, I'm the light of the world. And then in Mark, uh, Matthew chapter 5, he said, you're the light of the world. And I've always thought of that as kind of like the sun and the moon, you know. Uh, the earth, of course, orbits around the sun. And how many are thankful for the sun? You think it's cold now. Just take the sun out of the way. The sun is our life. We would have no planet. We'd have no life on this earth without the sun. I'm saying S-U-N, or you could put S-O-N on there if you wanted to, but it, it's, the sun's super important. The moon has no light of its own. It simply reflects the light of the sun. And the only time the moon doesn't reflect the sun is when the world gets in the way. You know, the earth is orbiting around the sun, and the moon, of course, orbiting around the earth, the moon always, we don't see it all the time because it's daytime, but the moon always reflects the light of the sun unless the earth gets in its way. Or maybe we could say unless the world gets in its way. And I wonder if some of the reason why sometimes maybe the church doesn't reflect the sun is because the world gets in the way. Jesus talked about that in Mark chapter 4. Remember the parable of the sower? He talked about the seed, the word of God, how sometimes it's sown among the thorns, and the thorns grow up and they, they choke out the, the life, the fruit of that seed. Or could we say the reflection of Jesus? The light? Sometimes the thorns grow up and they choke out 
the, the seed. And of course, Jesus said, the, the thorns were the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things. And I just wonder if sometimes the worries, the cares of this world, it's amazing how we as, we as Christians sometimes we live like atheists, don't we? I mean, sometimes we're so caught up with the cares of this world. Uh, I just wonder if sometimes the cares of this world or the deceitfulness of riches. Isn't it interesting? Jesus called money deceitful. Not, not that we don't need any. How many know you could use some? But it's deceitful because what it says is if you had more, you'd be happier. Or if you had more, you'd be a little more secure. Or you could be a little more safe based on the trials and the troubles that go on this world. And as a result, many who at one time loved Jesus are caught up pursuing the happiness or the peace or the safety that, that money could provide. And how many know it's deceitful? It's deceitful. And then there's the distractions. Isn't it amazing how easily, including me, we get distracted from a first love relationship with Jesus. There are so many things that are constantly vying for our attention. And you and I both, we see people in the community that used to stand with us and worship Jesus. They were in love with Jesus. And this is pre-COVID, by the way. But we haven't seen him in a long time. And then we run into him. And how are you doing? Yeah, boy, I miss you at church. You know, we've just, we've just been doing other things. Just got distracted. And I'm all about doing other things. I hope you get out and do some snowshoeing this winter. I hope you maybe do some cross-country skiing. and All that kind of stuff. But it's amazing. If you and I alone are the only photograph of Jesus to the world. I don't think that's pretty important. It's, it, it, it's pretty significant. And, and so I just felt like the first thing the Lord wanted me to say in light of the freeze, uh, I'm not against the governor at all, by the way. The Bible says that God appoints authority over us for our safety. Okay, so I think, I think that's a fight that sometimes maybe might might blind our own light. Maybe we could be a light if we didn't get in that fight. I don't know. I just, you know, so I'm not going to get in that fight, but he, she has appointed a freeze, and I'm wondering if, if, if we are going to go online completely, how can we be the light? This is an opportunity for the church, for you and I, to decide who we are. Are we the light or not? Are you the light or not? Jesus said, you alone, the only light, the only photograph this world has of Jesus Christ. So, you know, my question is, what can we do during this season ahead? What can we do to be the light? Well, as you would know, I have a couple things. Number one, love and compassion. So important. Love and compassion. Uh, some of you know Wayne Cadero, a friend of mine, uh, was here a few years ago uh, to speak at our church. He pastors in Honolulu, Hawaii. It's tough duty, but someone has to do it. Um, uh, he had an opportunity to minister to a young woman, late 20s, uh, who was discovered to have cancer. Uh, her, her parents were Buddhists, and, uh, but she had become a Christian. And uh, so when she found out she had cancer, um, she asked her parents, who are Buddhists, 
to go through the phone book. Remember back when we had those books? Some of it was yellow, some of it was white. Now it's just all on Google. But ask her parents to go through the phone book and, uh, and, and call a pastor. So, you know, they didn't know what to do. They just going through the yellow pages. They, you know, picked a church. Ended up being Wayne's church. And he was thrilled when they called. And he went over there to visit. Of course, the parents were there. Uh, she was there. They had this Buddha shrine right there in the living room, you know, that was a significant part of their devotion and their worship. And so, of course, he met with the girl, uh, read some scripture to her, prayed for her, and he just felt like the Holy Spirit, there was a connection there. And, and he, he really took her on uh, in, in his heart, started going over, sometimes once a week, sometimes every other week, but for several months, it just he would show up, the parents were there, and, 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 you know, deeply devoted to Buddhism. And, uh, and this girl, of course, uh, you know, he was thinking in his mind, if she got healed, wouldn't that be awesome? I mean, if she got healed, then maybe the parents, you know, they would come out of Buddhism and commit their life to Jesus. But she didn't get healed. In fact, she got worse. And eventually she died. The parents asked Wayne to do the funeral, which he was happy to do, and he thought that would be the end of it. But a couple of weeks later, her parents showed up in church. <laughs> it just, it shocked him. He wanted to get to the back uh, before they left, but unfortunately they slipped out uh, before he could get there. Next week they weren't there, and he thought, oh, maybe I said something wrong. Or, you know, pastors are pretty insecure. And... But the next week, they came back again. And uh, in fact, they came forward after the service and, and they said, Pastor Wayne, now this is, remember, this is Asian culture, they're Chinese, and uh, they bowed down to him, said, Pastor Wayne, so sorry we missed church last Sunday. Well, I wish people would do that, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry we missed church last Sunday. She's, he, he said, we, we actually went all the way back to China, to the Buddha temple, to return our Buddha. Said we want to become Christians. And of course, Wayne talked to them and eventually prayed that morning with them to receive Jesus Christ. Here's what they said. They, they said, we saw the love you had for our daughter. And then we came to your church and that same love was among all the people. And because of that, we knew Jesus was real. And we wanted to know him. Jesus is the one who said, they will know you are Christians by your love, one to another, not by your political stance. He said, they, they will know you are Christians by your love, one to another. And... Uh, you know, I, th I think sometimes we make witnessing way too complicated. I, I feel like we don't feel like we can be a witness because we haven't memorized the four spiritual laws sometimes when all it takes is love. Love and compassion, th that's all it takes. How many of you have ever been driving down the highway and someone coming towards you forgot they had their brights on? And it's like, whoa, especially these days, man, we have these infrared lasers that come out of our cars. And, uh, you know, you're driving, and yet, what? Whoa. Unfortunately, I feel like a lot of Christians are like that. 
It's like they're a little too intense, you know. It's like every time they meet you, they got to tell you about Jesus. And I think sometimes literally people are going like this, you know. I, I don't know that it has to be quite that pressured or quite that tense. I think sometimes just love and compassion. You know, light, one of the things that light does, it illuminates, doesn't it? Reveals darkness and truth. In fact, it drives out darkness. Light itself Without a word, you turn on a light in a room, boom, darkness is gone. There's something about light. People know that you're different. If you love Jesus and you have love and compassion, they just, there's just something different. Now, they may be afraid of the light, because a lot of people are, but they'll certainly know that there's something different about you. And one of the things that light does is it illuminates. It draws people. And uh, so I just want to encourage you. One of the ways that we can be the light during this season where we're being socially isolated, literally is for you to, with love and compassion, reach out, text somebody, call somebody, go visit somebody. Don't just stay in your house, wear your mask, whatever you need to do. I just think we need to continue being the light in the community and just because we have a freeze order, Just because we have a freeze order, it doesn't mean we can't reach out in love and compassion. Could someone say amen to that? Another way that we can be the light is generosity and sacrifice. Now, many of you know, for the last four years, we've been doing something in our church called Christmas Conspiracy. And basically, we started this four years ago because uh, we learned that the United States of America spends $600 billion every year on Christmas. You know, all those little gadgets, those little trinkets, uh, you know, that ugly sweater you bought somebody and you thought they might like it. It doesn't fit. They spend the day taking it back to the mall. $600 billion. And one of the things we learned that year, four years ago, for $20 billion dollars, you could supply fresh water to all the third world countries where one out of three children die of malnutrition and contaminated water disease. One out of three. You could supply water for only $20 billion the entire world. And for some reason, to us as a church, that seemed unfair. It just seems unfair that we'd spend $600 billion on ourselves and our cell phones and our iPads and all the earbuds. And I'm not against any of that stuff. But what if we took just a little bit of that $600 billion and did something to help people that had real needs? Wouldn't that be great? So that's a commitment that we made as a church family. That first year, we provided fresh water for a, a village in Guatemala where... Uh, one of the most, one of the poorest uh, uh, nations in the world, and in the mountains, of course, in the rural areas, people live on less than two to three dollars a day. This particular village had no fresh water. They had no education system. Their uh, their 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 school was a shambles. And so, the first year we provided fresh water. The next year we rebuilt their school. And after that, of course, we helped with building a junior high with a couple of classrooms. And when we went back this last year, this fourth year, it was amazing, the change, the health of the people. They had fresh water. We'd taken medical teams and dental teams. They had so much more health. And the kids had hope because they were getting an education and they had the hope of leaving that village someday and getting a job. 
in one of the uh, villages or one of the cities there in Guatemala. What a blessing God raised us up to be to that village. I don't know how many of you know, but uh, a, about a week and a half ago, uh, November 6th, uh, Guatemala and Honduras were hit with Hurricane uh, Eta uh, and literally devastated. Uh, it happened right, you know, during uh, the election uh, time, and so it didn't hit the news. Now it's hitting the news. Uh, Etta is up in North and South Carolina flooding uh, some of that area. The Masters a golf tournament, uh, the scores are lower because the greens are softer. Not that I would ever watch golf, but it's devastating. And uh, this morning, uh, what I'd like to do is show you a short video uh, and it's gonna show the base where we stayed for the last four years and then went by bus up into the mountains and uh, did the work that we did and then came back and stayed at the base. I just want you to see what happened there. World Help Family, my heart is absolutely broken today. Guatemala is devastated after massive flooding and landslides last week and we had no idea that it was going to be this bad. Hurricane Eta had already been downgraded to a tropical depression before hitting Guatemala. But after years of drought, the dry soil there just couldn't handle so much rain. The water rushed down the mountains, dumping rivers and boulders into our partner's campus. And if you've been part of the World Health family for very long, you know that a large part of the work that we do takes place in Guatemala. I've personally been there so many times and I've seen malnourished babies carried from the mountains to the rescue center. I've been to the villages that donors like you have helped transform. And now looking at the photos of some of these same places after the storm, it's devastating. The people of Guatemala need your help. And I know I'm coming to you at a time where there are so many other things going on in the world, but these people have lost it all after they were already barely surviving the pandemic. So please give as generously as you can today and help with this urgent need. Every $50 you give will rush emergency aid like food, clean water, and other essentials to one person in Guatemala. And you can be the help and hope they desperately need. Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned that Guatemala was still suffering from the drought they've been through for about the last five years. You know, the first year we went to Guatemala, it was all green, it looked like a jungle. And uh, these last uh, three times that we went, it's just amazing how it almost looked like a desert. I mean, there just wasn't a green leaf on, on any tree. And uh, of course, the COVID virus has added to that because the, the husbands who haven't been able to farm because there's no water used to be able to go down in the valley and, and work jobs. But now because of COVID, they couldn't go down there and work. And so uh, families literally are, were without food. And you remember the picture of the little white flag? They'd put out a white flag uh, from their hut uh, saying, we have no, f no food, no food. And on that Sunday morning, you gave $2,600 uh, to help. We sent that immediately down there. And I think I, I told you that morning that, that $30 would provide $1,000 worth of food. And so that money has gone to help the village where we uh, had, had worked to do transformation. So, John, I want to start with that first picture uh, to, to just help you see. This is the road that we used to travel to go to the, the base where we stayed. This is not the village 
that we helped transform. But this is the base where we stayed. And, and what that picture is, it's a picture of a medical clinic they just finished and were just ready to reopen. They, uh, it had dialysis machines, it had radiology. This part of Guatemala has no medical help. And so this is the only medical help uh, in this region that, that people had. And what you're seeing is the top floor there. The bottom floor is buried in the mud and, and in rocks. And all of the equipment was destroyed and devastated. And it's possible the entire building is destroyed. Now you can go to the second picture. Uh, give you an idea um, where we stay. Uh, this is the medical clinic. Basically, we stay about a quarter mile to the, what direction would that be? To the left. Uh, is, is where we stay. And the building where we stayed, the bunks and the cafeteria, the only things that survived. Okay, down below, it would be to the upper part of this picture, were two villages with 73 homes. And as you can see, they're gone. Uh, they're literally gone. Now, all those people were rescued as the water came rushing into this area. Not one person was lost. Two small children were caught in the flood and they, they grabbed onto uh, branches and they were carried to the next village and saved. So that was miraculous. Uh, this base cares for disabled people, elderly people. It's the only facility in this part of Guatemala where this kind of care happens. And it's not supported by the government. It's supported by churches like ours who, you know, people sacrifice and, and give a little of what they could maybe, you know, be spending on their, their new things. Uh, to help the people who have nothing. And so all of that was, a lot of that was lost. Some of it was, was, was salvaged. But that entire, those two villages are gone. And this last picture is just a picture of a, this building survived. It's a picture of a little church that uh, was where those uh, two villages were. And for some reason, uh, that building survived. You can see it's just full of logs. And, and uh, I don't know whether it'll uh, be allowed to, remain standing, whether or not it'll be safe. Um, my point is, one of the things I'd like to do this year with our Christmas conspiracy offering, we're not asking you to give up Christmas. Uh, what we're asking you to do is to think about maybe spending less on Christmas and maybe giving a little more to people who have genuine needs. Um, I love presents, and I love giving them to my grandkids, so that's going to happen no matter what, you know what I mean? I mean, maybe not as much, but it's still celebrating with, as a family is, is part of what we do as a culture, but at the same time, it'll be a little less so that I can give more uh, to, to Christmas conspiracy. Now, anytime we do kind of a promotion like this, of course, you, I hope you wonder, well, what, you know, what, will the church continue? Will it survive? And can I just tell you, I am thankful for all the people who honor the Lord week by week and month by month here financially. You give to the Lord because you love the Lord and you've been supporting the church through this COVID virus for the last eight months. And I hope you'll continue to do that. And I hope that our Christmas conspiracy offering will be something extra, something special. And please don't think it has to be a lot. I mean, sometimes you think I don't have anything. You really do. Here in America, we, you know, we spend more on coffee a week than we do uh, you know, then it's just amazing how a little, with the, probably a thousand people that attend our church here, it's amazing how a little can make a huge difference. And I'm hoping we can raise about $30,000 this year. I'm hoping some of it can go to, uh, to Guatemala and to help the digging out and hopefully 
beginning to rebuild of things there. Uh, I'm hoping that some of it can go here locally. Uh, we're very supportive of Pregnancy Hope Center here locally, and COVID virus this last year, they didn't get to do their baby bottle drive. They normally raise about $30,000 during that time. Our church is really one of their biggest supporters financially. We normally give about $5,000 during that time. So I'm hoping we can take some of our Christmas conspiracy money and help there. Uh, a friend of mine, Mike Mercer, leads a ministry called Compassion First. They're out of the Beaverton Foursquare Church. And several years ago, we went as a church down to Biloxi, Mississippi, and we helped rebuild homes that had been destroyed uh, through the Hurricane Katrina, if some of you remember that. They're now involved in a variety of things. One of the things they're involved in is helping rescue young girls who've been um, kidnapped, tricked, and trapped many times by evil men <laughs> into a, a literal abuse and slavery called sex trafficking. It's a, it's a big part of the culture in Indonesia. They're, they're trying to build a facility in, in Balia, or Bala, is it Bali? B-A-L-I, someone help me. Bali, okay. So they're trying to, they're already in, involved doing this in Bali, but they need a facility where they can help with the rescuing and the caring. Just, it's just such a process to help these girls get free from uh, what they've been put through. So love to be able to help them a little bit. And there are other things I'll talk about in the weeks to come, but there's just a variety of ways. And so I'm hoping that you'll uh, think and pray about how you could be the light just to help give something uh, toward Christmas conspiracy uh, this year to help us through uh, love and compassion, uh, to help us through uh, generosity and sacrifice. And the last thing would be just through care and commitment, okay? And, and uh, with this, I'm gonna invite the worship team to head this direction. But the last one, care and commitment. I, I don't know if you realize what a dark time the holidays are for a lot of people. There's more depression, uh, more despair, more suicide during the holidays than any other time of the year in the calendar year. In fact, I'm looking at some uh, uh, first responders here. Uh, you know, our poor EMTs and firemen uh, we get called out on a number of suicides here locally uh, in Klamath Falls. The rate just jumps because of the holidays. Because uh, even though it's a, such an exciting season for us, it's such a dark time. Uh, for people who are trapped in addictions or bondage or maybe have lost their families or, or whatever. And how many know there's a spiritual battle during this season? Just a strong spiritual battle. I've been so concerned about the church not gathering, literally, because I feel like our prayers and our praise are powerful. They're mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. And one of the things that I'm concerned about as we're not allowed to gather physically is will we continue to gather in smaller groups and worship and pray? I've got a group of people who meet here on Thursday mornings at seven to, to pray. I'm involved in small group. I, I don't know whether you're connected, but just we all need connection even if it's only one or two people because the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man or a righteous woman accomplishes much and the world around us needs our prayers. It needs our prayers and so this last point in being the light is care and commitment. You know that 10% of the people who find themselves in 
drug addiction or uh, a problem with anger that's destroying their family or whatever, 10% of the people will decide, I've got to make a change. And they will literally um, pursue help. They'll reach out. They will do what it takes for change. 10%. 10% will do nothing. They'll say, not doing it. Happy the way I am. And, you know, I don't think I could ever change anyway. So they give up before they ever start. So 10% won't change. 80%, this is statistically, 80% of people will change with the help of a friend. 80% will change with the help of a relationship. How many of you, someone helped you follow Jesus? I think most of us. Some of you are strongly self-motivated. You've been doing it on your own. You're amazing. We all wish we could be like you. But 80% of us needed help. We needed support. We needed friendship. We need life groups. We need Bible studies. We need prayer groups. We need church gathering together. Here's what uh, it says in John chapter 1, verse 14. It says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Uh, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Aren't you thank, thankful that God so loved the world he came? He dwelt among us, hung out with 12 guys. They weren't all that great, okay? They had a lot to learn. But God was willing to hang out with them. And of course, after he died on the cross, rose from the dead, sent the Holy Spirit, those 12 guys, literally, 120 actually in that room, changed the world they form more groups and more groups and more groups and more groups and more groups. That's God's vision for the church. It's groups gathering. We don't have to gather in a $7 million facility and, uh, you know, that'll hold 500 people. I mean, I love it. I love our celebrations on Easter and Christmas. And, you know, I love the idea that we can gather together and worship, see one another in the foyer, but it can be in small groups. And I'm I'm just hoping that we will make a decision to be the light and that you'll reach out to somebody and say, hey, maybe we could have coffee. Maybe we could pray. Maybe we could connect. And we've got some life groups and small groups here in our church as well that are uh, continuing to meet all, through all this. So if you're interested, please email the church at connect at climatechristiancenter.org and we'll see if we can help you get connected with a life group. So be the light. You're the light of the world. You're it. You alone, right now, are the photograph of Jesus to the world. I want to invite you to stand with me. And, um, I, I, think, I think all of us, um, there are times when we would be honest and say we don't reflect the light quite like we should. And I don't know what are those things, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the, 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 the desire for other things. I don't know what of those things would get in the way and stop the reflection. But uh, I'm wondering if we could just uh, offer ourselves to the Lord. We're going to close with a song here in just a moment. But I'm wondering if we could just offer ourselves to the Lord and say, Jesus, thank you for choosing me. Thank you for calling me. Lord, I wasn't looking for you. You were looking for me. And more than I could ever imagine, Lord, you've called me out of darkness into your marvelous light to be the light in the world that we're living in today. So, 
Lord, we just offer ourselves to you in a fresh way this morning. Thank you for your presence today. Thank you for your love. Thank you for hearing our prayers. We love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Could we all say amen together?